Welcome to AZ Politicast. I'm Steve Goldstein. The race to take on Congressman David Schweikert in November of 2024 was already crowded, as Schweikert's first district seat is considered one of the most vulnerable for a Republican in the country. In what promises to be a competitive Democratic primary, political newcomer Connor O'Callaghan has decided to make the leap. O'Callaghan grew up in the Valley and recently returned to raise his family here. On this edition of AZ Politicast, I'll talk to O'Callaghan about what issues matter most to him, why he thinks he can win the Democratic primary and ultimately defeat David Schweikert, and why the topic of immigration is especially personal. Stay tuned for AZ Politicast. What makes you want to be a member of Congress? Running for office has its ups and its downs. It's a real challenge. What makes you have that drive right now to do it? Well, Steve, this district is very important to me. So I grew up here. I came here when I was four years old as an immigrant kid. And I went kindergarten through high school in the public school system here in Scottsdale, graduated from Chaparral High. And my wife and I moved back here a few years ago. We're also raising our three boys here. They're in public school as well and and also zoned to attend Chaparral. And so I've lived in a lot of different places, but I've spent more time here in the district than anywhere else in my life. This is home to me. It really matters a lot to me. And and when I've seen what we've done in the last few races, where we've come close, but we've come up short in defeating David Schweikert, who is a very, very beatable candidate, you know, with the right nominee on the Democratic side, I looked at sort of the state of this race and the people that we're in, and I just felt like we were potentially going down the same path again, where, you know, there was nobody that was clear to me that could defeat David Schweikert. And I know that I can beat him. And that's why I'm running. When it comes down to actually running for Congress, what are some of the issues that David Schweikert has not addressed to your satisfaction, but also some of your fellow candidates? Sure. So I think David Schweikert's done very little, right? He's got an A rating from NRA. You know, he's 100% pro-life. But even worse than that, he he's a guy who comes here. He's a consummate insider politician. He'll come and, you know, act all folksy and say, you know, I'm a moderate, you know, I'm a common sense guy. And then he goes to Washington and votes against things like lowering insulin prices, lowering, prescri- lowering prescription drug prices. He, you know, didn't, you know, voted to not to certify the, you know, the election on January 6th. And he also voted against the Violence Against Women Act. So I think painting the picture of, of Schweikert and his ineptitude is, is pretty easy. I think in terms of the issues that matter here to voters in CD1, it's sort of twofold. You have national issues that I think matter to all Democrats here in CD1, uh, you know, matter to all Arizona Democrats and matter to Democrats nationally. And, and those are things like protecting a woman's right to choose, codifying Roe v. Wade, you know, working on common sense gun reform. You know, clearly that's something we've done very, very little on. And the vast majority of Americans agree that we need to have, you know, more measures in place to keep guns out of the hands of, of bad actors. And so for me, th- those are the, the very basic things that we need to do as a party But realistically, we're not going to be able to do those things if we don't take back the House. So this is a winnable seat. We need to flip it and we need to flip at least four others and then we'll be able to get those things done. Specifically here in the district, for me, it's always been about the economy here. So this district is is really run by small businesses. So you got a lot of small business owners, a lot of small business employees. So these small businesses need a fighter in Washington that makes sure they're getting the support they need to succeed, that we're continuing to attract you know, good businesses, good people here, making sure the task code works for them. So that's really the engine of the district as I see it. 
But none of this really matters, frankly, if we don't solve our water issues. And I think we need more federal support and federal organization and, you know, competent people in Washington that are, are quarterbacking solving the water crisis here, not only in Arizona, but across the Southwest. Fair to say from your perspective, it is from mine, that this is one of the more pragmatic districts this state has, one that does have Democrats and Republicans who may be willing to work together on issues like water. Would you think of yourself as a moderate, a pragmatist, a progressive? How would you describe yourself and what you'd want to get done? Well, Steve, I'm a lifelong Democrat. So, you know, that's where my my morals and my values lie. Uh, but but within that sort of spectrum, you know, I consider myself to be a moderate. You know, I'm I'm a pragmatist a pragmatist by nature. You know, probably the plurality of my friends here from growing up and, and still to this day are independents and moderate Republicans. You know, my wife's an independent. So I understand, you know, how other people think about these issues. So I think something that we've done a poor job in the past here in past cycles is, is building the coalitions necessary to win this seat. And the reality is it's 2.6% lean Republican, right? So you have to bring independents and you have to bring in moderate Republicans. You know, and I think I have the the background and, and the skill set to be able to do that. And, and it's critical because if we don't position ourselves properly to grow the size of our tent, just mathematically, we're not going to be able to get the votes we need to flip this seat. There are a couple of relatively big names have already declared for the Democratic side in this race. It is a little bit easier, typically, raising money is really vital, and it's a little bit easier if your Q rating is high. What about raising money? How hard is that going to be, and, and are you going to aim for small donors, big donors, everyone? Great question. I'm, I'm going to aim for all of the above. So, you know, I've been fortunate to, you know, live here for a long time. I spent a long time in the East Coast. I, I went to school in Philadelphia, worked in New York for a number of years. You know, and I have friends and 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 family all around the country. So I'm going to go far and wide. We're going to have small donors. We're going to have big donors. I agree. I think you need to raise a lot of money to be successful in this race. You know, we think it's a two million dollar primary, and we're going to raise big and and we're gonna we're gonna spend big. And I'm prepared to do you know whatever it takes to to win this race. Since this would be a federal situation, it's slightly different, but. What about education? That's also a district that seems to me that at the local level is one that doesn't necessarily want to leave public schools behind, for example, as some other districts seem to want to do. Um, what about that? How important is education to you and how important will that be as far as an issue you discuss? Well, Steve, I'm really glad that you bring up uh, public education. So as I mentioned earlier, I went through the Scottsdale Unified School District system, kindergarten through 12th grade. I, I still had an Irish accent until I had <laughs> Mrs. Cleave in first grade who who rectified that and taught me how to speak proper American. Um, this district gave me every opportunity for success in life. It allowed me to go to an Ivy League university, which then allowed me to get a great job in one of the most competitive industries in the world. So I think it's vitally important to protect our public school system. You know, our three boys, they're 10, 8, and 7, fifth grade, third grade, second grade. They go to our local public school. You know, they're also zoned to attend Chaparral High School. And I want them to have the same opportunities I had and their kids to have the same opportunities. So I do agree with what you said. I, I think public schools, it's its crazy, but they've almost become like a wedge issue here. And it's almost become, you know, Republicans against Democrats and Democrats are fighting to save the public schools and Republicans want to tear them apart. You know, I'd like to think that to your point, we're a little bit more pragmatic than that. And it's, its you know, those aren't the, the battle lines. But I think that, you know, not only here locally in our district, but even statewide, nationally, Having, you know, 
solid public schools, you know, passable public schools where people can go and get a good education and set them up for success in life and whatever they want to do, whatever kind of field they want to work in, whatever kind of college they want to go to or trade school or community college, that should just be very basic. Everybody deserves that. Um, and that's something that that I feel very, very strongly about and very passionately about. And, and we need to protect it. Now, a lot of this needs to be done at the state level. And, you know, there's obviously things that can be done federally, you know, but the the voucher issue here in Arizona is completely out of control. And it's it's not only going to sort of um, strangle the public schools over time, but it has a threat. You know, it could threaten to bankrupt the entire state. So, you know, we need to figure out how to get those means tested at a minimum. Uh, but again, that's more of a state issue. But I, I couldn't be more passionate about public schools. Uh, and I believe that they're a bedrock of our of our society. Hypothetically, you win the Democratic nomination. You know that Republicans are going to come after you in terms, they're going to find something that you're soft on, or I'm not exactly sure who the poster person would be now, but you're going to be pictured with Nancy Pelosi and the squad and all these other people, because, because you're a Democrat, you're going to be all those people. It's not that you're Connor, you're all those other people. Are you prepared for that sort of thing to be, to have your, your record, your history, your views torn apart like that? Because as you said, this is a district that could really turn the house. I mean, this is one that Democrats have been trying to turn for a while. Are you ready for some of the nastiness that might come? Steve, I'm absolutely ready for it. You know, I think you hit the nail on the head. It's absolutely coming. You know, I am, I'm married to a Persian immigrant, so I'm in a, a mixed race marriage and have mm -hmm. mixed race kids. Um, I'm sure that'll be fodder. You know, next thing you know, I'll be married to, a, you know, an Iranian terrorist operative, you know, all of, all of that stuff is going to happen. And you're completely right that I'll, I'll get painted with all the the boogeyman negative brushes that the that the Republicans and especially the MAGA Republicans do about Democrats. I'm ready for it. And and frankly, Steve, I think the voters here in CD1, you you hit the nail on the head earlier. They're they're pragmatic, they're smart, and I think they're smarter than that. I think they know what I bring to the table. I'm, you know, I'm I'm from the district, I'm for the district. So we'll weather all those personal attacks and weather that storm. And 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 don't worry, we will be we will be punching back hard and we'll get this thing over the goal line. One of the issues we haven't discussed that has is certainly a federal issue and one that there's been hope over the years, both the Republican and Democratic side, there can be some sort of compromise for it. And it affects Arizona more than many other states. And that is the question of immigration, border security. Can I get your points of view on that? What you'd like to see the country do as far as that goes to practically keep the economy going by getting perhaps more workers, but at the same time, make sure that security is okay. Yeah, well, as as I mentioned, I was born in Ireland and, and my wife was born in Iran. So we are, are both immigrants and, and this country has given, you know, both both us and our families so much and, and created so much opportunity for, for us. So immigration is very near and dear to my heart, um, you know, literally. And I, I think the the issue that we have is that you know, people like immigration. I think in general, people are pro-immigration, but they don't like disorder. And what we've had in recent years in the Trump administration and continuing into the Biden administration is disorder, disorder at the border, disorder around immigration. And so I, I think if you look at it from from the one side, you know, wherever you are in the economy, we need more workers. Right. We need workers to come harvest crops. You know, we need workers, you know, to to help dig ditches, to do a lot of the, the sort of entry level manual labor jobs. We need that on the other side of the, the economic spectrum. You know, we need to maintain our, you know, technological superiority over other countries, right? And 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 maintain American exceptionalism. That's always been done with immigration. So we need to bring in the top doctors from other countries. We need to bring in their rocket scientists. We need to bring in their computer programmers. So I, I think we can all agree we need immigration. 
you know, but we need to create order around our borders. And so I think there's a variety of things that can be done to, to combat that. I think what Joe Biden's done recently, you know, the Biden administration in terms of allowing people to apply for asylum from where they are versus having to come to the border, that's already, you know, having a, a good effect in terms of dramatically lowering, in fact, the number of border crossings that there are. You know, and I think a lot of this, there's no easy fix. If there was, it would already be done. But it's something that needs to be looked at holistically. You know, I think we need to think about our foreign policy with the countries where a lot of these immigrants are coming from, because ultimately it's like so many problems. You know, you can put on as many Band-Aids as you want or try to fix things as much as you want. But unless you really solve the problem at its source, it's going to continue to be bad or at a minimum, it's going to continue to flare up, you know, here and there over time. So effectively trying to kind of keep people where they are and, and have opportunities within their own countries, I think, is important. And, you know, obviously a lot of um, the illegal immigration comes through the, the Mexican border, clearly. So trying to even prevent a lot of these these migrants from even making it into Mexico in the first place is something to look at as well. So, you know, I think it's a multifaceted problem. You know, there's certainly a humanitarian crisis element to it. No question about it. And so, you know, you have to look at it from all angles, but immigration is good, you know, disorder is bad, you know, and I think the the ultimate goal is to to try to have a, you know, a robust immigration system here in America and, and also just have things be a lot more orderly than, than they've been in recent memory. Clearly, we have seen partisanship grow in the country, but even especially in the U.S. House. And we're seeing things where it's almost impossible to see Democrats and Republicans working together on much of anything. There are a few exceptions, but not many. How important do you think that is? Knowing how you've been a lifelong Democrat, knowing that you want things to go in terms of the Democratic philosophy more than some of what we've seen, certainly from the MAGA Republicans. But is that important to you that if you were to get to office to support the issues you think the district cares about and that you care about, but also try to find common ground? Or are we at a place where it's just too difficult to do that now? Well, we certainly have arrived at a place where it's been too difficult to do it, right? And I think that's one of the main reasons I'm running. I think we need more pragmatists in office. And, and I think we need to get back to an era. I mean, you know, you go back to the Clinton administration, there were a lot of bipartisan things that got done. And, and frankly, we balanced the budget in the Clinton administration. So, you know, there it wasn't that long ago, you know, we can we can get back to a place of civil discourse. And as a lot of people have said, right, we need to be able to disagree without being disagreeable. And I, I think that's totally true. Um, things have become, I think it's the 24-7 news cycle and, and, you know, the focus on sort of the polls of both parties, right? So that's what hogs a lot of the media coverage. But the reality is most people still live much closer to the center, you know, on on both sides. And as, as we discussed, you know, today, you have gun reform, you know, certain things like expanding background checks, waiting periods, increasing the minimum age to purchase an assault weapon, all these things. These, these have like the support of uh, the vast majority of Americans, yet nothing gets done. And so I think we need to bring things back to your point to a place where you can have discourse with the other side. And it's like, OK, look, we might not agree on 30 percent of things, but there's probably 70 percent of things we, we can agree on. So let's do that stuff. You know, and it's 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 the age, you know, let's not let great be the enemy of good. You know, let's get things done that we can agree on. And and then over time, we kind of hash out and figure out the bigger issues that are, are more contentious. Um, but I think we've just had so much gridlock in Washington that needs to be broken. And, you know, in my mind, you know, doing something is always better than doing nothing. And I think there's plenty that can be done if we can bring reasonable people to the table that can that can have reasonable conversations across the aisle. And and I'm I'm certainly um, certainly somebody who could do that. Anything we missed, an issue you feel like I should have brought up that I didn't? Anything else you want to say? 
Well, one thing I think that's super interesting that's going on right now in the state um, that's that's completely insane is this Fonda Monte, you know, water issue. And so when we talk about water and solving the water crisis, you know, there, there's so many different aspects to that. But you look at the states involved, you have California, Nevada, Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, Arizona, obviously, you know, you need federal organization to to bring these states together. And then within the states, you have disparate interests, too. You have farmers, you have some big cities, you have the Native American lands. And so everybody's sort of fighting for water. And the reality is we all need water. Everybody needs to get it. And so you look at what's going on with Fondamonte, and, and effectively, we are we are exporting a good amount of our water halfway around the world to another desert you know, to, to feed their cattle in Saudi Arabia, which is completely wild. So on a micro level, we need to, to fix and stop things like that that are happening within our state. And then bigger picture, I think we need almost like a Manhattan project for water, you know, so you have desalination plants in California. They're talking about building one in the Gulf of, of California down by Rocky Point, Mexico, which is much closer to Phoenix. Those are interesting ideas. Some of these rainwater capture systems that people are developing are, are, are interesting, you know, the water tables are actually rising in many parts in the Northeast. So can we, you know, pipe water the same way we pipe oil across the country? You know, these are big ideas, you know, and certainly are going to take, a, you know, a lot of smart people and, and probably a lot of money to put these things into place. But if we don't start thinking about these things now and starting to take the first step in these long journeys, it's frankly going to be too late. So it sort of starts with let's stop exporting our water overseas. Uh, and then, you know, we got to think big and really fix this crisis you know, for the long term. Otherwise, we're not going to have much of a district to talk about a few decades from now. That is Connor O'Callaghan. He is the newest entrant for the Democratic side in Congressional District 1, hoping to face David Schweikert in the general election. Connor, thanks so much for the time and good luck. Steve, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks again to congressional candidate Connor O'Callaghan. To hear previous editions of AZ Politicast, including my conversations with other First District Democratic candidates, Andre Cherney and Marlene Galan-Woods, please search Spotify and Apple Podcasts. I'd also ask you to subscribe, rate, and review. If you have guest or topic suggestions, send them to me at azpoliticast at gmail.com. Music for this podcast is from Epidemic Sound. I'm Steve Goldstein. Thanks for listening to AZ Politicast.